don't know whether I should just get this out of my way or have it in front of me. Let's give it a go. All right. Good morning, church. I just want to be clear um, that I'm not Daryl and I'm not going to have three points. I'm going to have 30. So get comfortable. All right? Get comfortable. Um, let's pray, God, because I need God's Spirit um, to lead me, this, lead me this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that you are a God that can be trusted. You are a God that is faithful. You are a God that can be exalted up. And I pray this morning, Lord, that you you use me as a vessel, that you speak through me, God. And I am confident that you will, Lord. I pray that the words that are not of you may fall to the ground. And the words that are of you, Lord, may pierce my heart and may pierce the hearts of those who listen. I pray these things in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be continuing with the book of Galatians, and this morning I will be specifically looking at Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, a letter written by Paul that I would say expresses a lot of deep passion and frustration. Just to give you a quick background or a bit of context, Paul is not writing a letter to one Galatian church, but to many churches in a large area known as Galatea, a province of the Roman Empire now known as Turkey. I also think it's good to know, well at least for me, that the Gentiles was the, was the name given to all non-Jewish people. I thought that the Galatians and the Gentiles were the same people. Galatians is the area or the region, and the Gentiles are all non-Jewish people. You see, many Jewish Christians believe that for non-Jewish people to become part of God's family, they needed to, to obey the laws of the Torah, which I found out wasn't just the Ten Commandments, but it contained hundreds of commandments covering all aspects of life, family, hygiene, diet, and the list goes on. And some of these Jewish Christians came to the Galatian churches preaching that Gentiles must follow parts of the Jewish law in order to be saved. So underlying Paul and the message he proclaimed of Jesus and demanding the Galatians to, be, to get circumcised, of which many of them accepted. And when Paul found out what was happening, he was brokenhearted and angry, which brings us to this letter. And it says, so it's Galatians 3, 1 to 9. I'm going to move around, not too much, but the glare is, is on my iPad. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Have you experienced so much vain, if it really was in vain? Does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by observing the law? or by believing what you heard. So also Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you, so those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham. 
the man of faith. I love that, the man of faith. <laughs> the man. When I first read these passages, I felt Paul's frustration and anger. And that frustration and anger was that of a father or a teacher. There are many times where I bang my head and think to myself, how can you not understand? Things that cross my mind are things like, I just told you. I've told you every day for the last six months. I just saw you do it. How do you not understand? Seriously? You just saw me do it. I could identify with the frustration and anger that comes out of Paul's letter to the Gentiles. It is clear that Paul is asking a series of questions, challenging questions for them to think through about what they are doing. Questions that are confronting and some that are even offensive. Questions that challenge us today. These questions are what I will be focusing on this morning. One of the things that is becoming more evident in schools today, well at least in my school, is that children don't like to think anymore. They are either too lazy and can't be bothered or need to be taught to think. You see, thinking is hard work. It requires a lot of effort, let alone being confronted with questions about what you are doing or why you are doing them. Confronting questions that you don't really want to think through or questions that call for change or having to look inwardly. So Paul starts off with, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? The word foolish means lacking in good sense, judgment or discretion. It, also, it could also be similar to calling a person an idiot, which is an insult and very offensive. And this is how Paul starts his letter. He then goes on to say, who has bewitched you? When I first read the word bewitched, I remembered a TV show that I would that would be on when I get home from school. I don't know if you remember that show, anyone. It was an American fantasy sitcom about a witch married to an ordinary man and she would cast spells to get him to do things. Some of the connotations surrounding the word are to cast the spell, brainwashed of some sort, and some definitions actually say evil spirit. I also listened to a sermon on the passage and they drew attention to the word who stating that it means singular and suggesting that Paul is referring to Satan or the enemy. Who is grabbing hold of your mind and taking a captive? Suggesting that Satan is stealing their hearts and minds. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, saying, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We find that in Ephesians 6, 12. So that's why it rang a bell that, you know, Peter also warns us about this in 1 Peter 5, 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy and devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Jesus himself says it in John. John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. Paul is writing this letter because he believes their hearts are being stolen away. The enemy is stealing their faith because they have forgotten or stopped believing about what Jesus did on the cross. And uh, the more I think about it, um, the more it actually it connects with me. 
that a lot of the times I'm not battling it there. I'm not battling with people. I'm actually battling with my own mind, my own thoughts. And that's where my struggle is daily. There's times where I find myself after hours, I'm thinking of something at school, something that I'm not doing right. No one's hitting me up that I'm not doing right. It's my own, my own mind. And I guess that's why I, I really, I like that. That our battle is with our own mind. Um, Paul then goes to say, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. Portrayed meaning described. So they didn't see him being crucified. They were just told. The New Living Translation puts it like this. For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. It is as if they would have saw it. But instead they are blind to it and drawn to the law that you need to do things to earn your way to Jesus. I don't have a good biblical knowledge of the law, but in a basic nutshell and a bit of research, the law served as a temporary measure and had both negative and positive roles. Negative meaning it was like a magnifying glass on Israel's sin and exposed their constant rebellion. So the law, which was good, highlighted that all Israel and us are guilty under the power of sin. Positively, the, the law is like a strict teacher, keeping Israel in line until the coming Messiah, fulfilling the law. By Jesus dying, he took it on himself so that whoever believes in him and has faith in what he has done can have eternal life, no matter what. Who has bewitched you, Paul said? It challenges me and us. Paul believes their hearts are being stolen away, and it's not just for the Galatians. Are our hearts being stolen away? I have been using a devotional book that Pearl gave me two weeks ago, and this week it's talked to, be, talked to me about steps to simplicity. And it's hard to hear. Questions asking me to examine my life, my motive, my way of thinking. It's not easy. Who has bewitched you? Are our hearts being drawn away because the Galatians' hearts were? The second question he asks is, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? I heard a paraphrase of this question that I liked, and they put it like this. Does a person receive God's Holy Spirit because of keeping the rules or because of believing in God's Word? I think he, 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 he is reminding them of when he was with them and preached the Gospel. And they believed it and received the Holy Spirit. Not doing all these things or following a list of do's and don'ts. When they would have received the Holy Spirit, it would have been like a bomb would have gone off in their heart. You don't question that. How could you forget? The Galatians would have seen it, felt it, saw it move, and felt its power. You know, the power of the Holy Spirit is not talked about much anymore. And when it is, there is a lot of skepticism around it. We question it. And sometimes struggle to accept it being the Holy Spirit. And while I think there is wisdom in being cautious, we should never doubt the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Many years ago when I was about 19, oh man, it sounds really old, many years ago. When I, let's start that again. When I was 19 years old, I was invited to a YWAM outreach event at Surface Paradise for about a week. And man, did I see the Holy Spirit in me and around me. I remember one morning I woke up at around 4.30 and I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me to head to the beach. So I did. I remember being on my knees, worshipping Jesus as the sun was rising and someone tapped me on the shoulder. I can still remember the smile I had when I turned around because I knew, I expected someone to meet me there. It was the power of the Holy Spirit. Last year at a school event, a Christian lady that I highly respect and have known since I was a little boy, and in actual fact she found out that I was preaching today, and she's been praying for me ever since, came up to me and she said very clearly that she felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit to share something with me. But before she did, she apologized and said to me, you know I'm a bit crazy and out there. And I could sense she was even a bit embarrassed to listen and act to the prompting of the Holy Spirit. This lady who had never been embarrassed to act when prompted by the Holy Spirit. This is the Holy Spirit that Paul is reminding the Gentiles about when they first believe. It's powerful. And you don't get it by observing the law. You get it by believing and having faith. It is alive and it should not be forgotten back then or now. Paul then insults them again by saying, Are you so foolish? This is where you can feel his frustration continue to rise. Why can't you understand? It was them, the Galatians, that received the Holy Spirit and now they are ignoring it and choosing to listen to the Jewish legalistic. legalistic. He goes on to say, after beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? So in other words, Paul is saying to them, you started your walk with Christ in the Spirit and you are now believing you can improve on that by your own human effort? So your own fleshly ability? I can hear Paul say, so now you want to do it on your own? So now you want to do it your own way? I told you, I showed you. We did it together. Paul knew that he or anyone could not do it on their own accord. He knew that he he knew that he or no one could measure up. In Romans 7:18, Paul states, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. The Galatians were convinced that their flesh could measure up. And Paul is gobsmacked that they are believing this. And that's why he is asking the question. Jesus talked about the flesh being weak as well. Watch and pray so that you will, you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. It's clear that Paul is trying to get across to the Galatians and to us. We can't, we just can't do it on our own accord. The flesh can't do it because it is weak. I listened to a pastor put it like this. 
if your salvation or your life in Christ after your salvation carries any responsibility that it puts upon your flesh to make it happen, you're in deep trouble because your flesh can't do it. I'm going to say that again. If your salvation or your life in Christ after your salvation carries any responsibility that it puts upon your flesh to make that happen, you're in deep trouble because your flesh just can't do it. In other words, you cannot be saved by your own human efforts only through faith in Jesus. That is what he is trying to get across to the, to the Galatians and it's very applicable to us now. Question five. Have you experienced so much in vain, if it really was in vain? In other words, has your suffering, so he's talking to the Galatians, in other words, has your suffering as followers of Christ not, not benefited you in any way? Paul believed that every bit of suffering that we endure, endure is useful and that it actually benefits your life. That's why he said in Romans 8, 28, that we know that all things good work, all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. Paul believed that everything that happens to you as believers is going to benefit you as you trust in Him and continue to put your hope in Him. I think that's why Paul is so angry at the Galatians. He is looking at them saying, all the things you have learned, all the maturity you have gained, is it now lost because you decide to go another way? And the final question, which is similar to the second question and strikes at the heart of the, go of the gospel. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by observing the Lord or by believing what you heard? Do you earn it or do you get it by faith? A question we have to keep asking ourselves. It's obvious, but it's still hard to accept. And the Galatians were obviously slow to see, it, see this. How does that relate to us? How does that relate to me? I know I'm saved, but not because I'm a good person. I mess up all the time. I know I don't deserve salvation. I know it, you know it, in your own life. But that ability of the flesh to sneak in that idea that if I don't do all these things, A, B, C, D, he won't listen to me. He won't answer my prayer. Or I can even flip it. I'm doing all these great things. In other words, trying to earn God's favor. It doesn't work like that. I mentioned earlier that I have been making a conscious effort to read God's word every morning. But yet these last two weeks have been really difficult for me. I have been really struggling. My family life continues to produce more layers to deal with. You would think because I'm praying and reading God's word, I should have perfect days. I'm doing all the right things, God, but I still feel like I'm drowning. Why does that person have it all together? They're not praying. It's not fair. That's the wrong way to think. 
But that's what we are drawn to believe. Just like the Galatians, God's love does not waver or rely on what we have or have not done. God's love and heart for us is the same yesterday, today and tomorrow. His, his love is not something that we can earn. It is a work of faith. Paul goes on to say, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Accept God's love for what it is. It is not tied to your performance, but to his character. Paul is pleading to the Galatians and to us. It's not about earning. We have to put our faith in Jesus. We need to hold on to him and what he has done for us no matter where we are at. Whether it is easy or hard, we need to hold on to our faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that... I want to thank you for the, um, for the letter that Paul wrote to the Galatians. Hitting them up with a lot of questions. Questions that we can apply to our lives now. Questions that we need to apply to our lives now. Which is not always easy, Lord. But I just pray that, yeah, that we can go back, we can read this passage, we can meditate on those questions and see what you're trying to say. Thank you, Father God, that nothing in our power, in our fleshly power, can earn our salvation. Nothing. But rather it's about putting our hope and trust and faith in you. Help us to, to remember that. To meditate that on daily. To start our day every day with that. Because that's something that we forget. We always try to do things. So I just pray that and I proclaim that over all of us. That it's nothing that we can do, but rather what you've done. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Amen.